Praise the Lord, everybody. While you remain standing, turn to the book of Acts. Chapter 2, we'll read verses 14 through 17. And while you turn there, I give honor to your man of God, the angel of this house. Thankful for him, his kindness to myself, my family. What an honor that it is to be preaching in this great, wonderful revival church. I love you, Sister Dykes, so very much. She's one of my favorite people in the world. If I needed uh, somebody to get a hold of God, she'd be at the top of the list. How many is thankful for your pastor and his wife? Amen. Hallelujah. Give honor to my lovely bride and two children that are here and um, all of the saints of God. I always say it's hard to have church without saints. <laughs> So I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being faithful to the house of the Lord on this Tuesday night. Uh, what a wonderful job the singers and musicians did ushering us into the presence of God. Are you thankful for this anointed, talented, gifted team of singers and musicians and the children's choir? I love that. Uh, that's God's army. It ain't, it's not the army of tomorrow, really. It's the army of today. I've never heard that song, but I like that song. I, I don't want to love what the world loves. <laughs> I want to love what God loves. But can I can I take it a step further? I need to hate what God hates. You can't love God and not hate sin. It works both ways. And uh, man, what there were some good words. If my mind's not playing tricks on me, it talks about my desires being reversed, putting the first things first. I, I You know, there is an all-out attack. There's an all-out attack on the validity of the Word of God. Uh, and, and really, Satan's been doing this for, for centuries. Uh, he, he's tried for years. I preach a message on uh, about how you can't bind the Word of the Lord. The devil's been trying to bind it for years. Uh, but let me tell you, God's word is true. Every word of God's right and every word of God's true. Heard somebody say that if, if the Bible was truly not inspired by God, then why does it go against everything that a man's flesh wants to do? Think about that. Hey, this Bible, it'll take you to the woodshed. If you'll read it, you'll pray. God's word's alive and it'll speak to you. But that song touched me tonight. Thank you to the kids' choir. And uh, I'm glad to be in church tonight. And I'm glad to be preaching our revival here at this church. I love you so very much. Thank you for your kindness to me, the wonderful people of God. Uh, I have prayed, sought the Lord for the service direction. Believe in God to help us. How about you? Acts 2 and 14, would you just say amen if you're there? But Peter, everybody say, standing up. With the eleven, he lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit 
upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And uh, you know what? Let's, let's just go ahead and let's go down to verse 37. I can't hardly read the book of Acts without reading this. Being so close by. Thank God. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Is anybody thankful for the promises unto you and to your children unto all that are afar off? Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation than they that gladly received his word. Can I tell you it matters how you receive the word of God. Amen. It, it matters how you perceive the word of God. They gladly received the word. They were baptized the same day. It was added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. I want to preach tonight for just a little while from a very simple thought. Will the 11 please stand up? Will the 11 please stand up? I come to preach to you tonight, church. How many is going to help me tonight? How many is going to join together with me? I believe the Lord wants to set some direction for the rest of this year, for this meeting. I believe tonight could be a turning point, and I believe in God to show up and show out. Would you lift up your hands one more time, and let's pray and ask God to anoint the remainder of this service. Hey, if it's appropriate, just join up with somebody close to you, and let's pray all over this house. Would you lift up your voice? Somebody pray, God, help me tonight, Lord. Speak to me. Speak to me tonight, God. I need you to talk to me. Talk to my heart. Talk to my spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And one more time before you're seated, would you clap your hands? All you people and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody said in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Will the 11 please stand up? Tonight, we are apostolic Pentecostal. We are apostolic in our doctrine, and we are Pentecostal in experience. We believe in the new birth plan of salvation that in accordance with John 3 and 5, you must be born again. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, talking to Nicodemus, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We understand this represents water baptism in Jesus' name and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Simon Peter, the man that Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom to, would stand on the day of Pentecost and preach the only saving message ever preached. It fulfilled what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3. Then Peter said unto them, Repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want to remind you tonight that it is still the only way. It is still the only plan. It is not a suggestion. It is a command. It is an imperative. It is a requirement. If you want to be saved and make heaven your home, you've got to obey it. And if you're here tonight and you've never repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, received the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and the evidence by speaking in other tongues, you can get that taken care of tonight. Thank God for that new birth plan of salvation, but... As apostolics and rightfully so, uh, we we place a a big spotlight on Simon Peter who preached on the day of Pentecost. And it was no doubt Peter's message that set spurred the revival in motion. However, we must note tonight that Peter's message would have not been nearly as effective if it weren't for the eleven standing with him as he preached. I, can, I want to tell you tonight that there is something exponentially powerful uh, about a message when men and women uh, are standing with the preacher. I'm going to say that again. There is a power that comes. There is an authority. There is a witness. There is a connection. There is a divine joining that happens when the anointing, that vertical anointing that God places on a preacher gets mixed and it intersects with the horizontal anointing that God places on a congregation. The power falls. The glory shows up. Thank God for people that will stand with the preacher. And, and, and a lot of times, Brother Dykes, we can, we can read over this, but this is something that took courage. These men to stand with Simon Peter because they were standing in the face of those that just a few days previous had been crying, crucify him, crucify him. This is a hateful society. These men were encountering that they were standing with Peter. And Peter was preaching to the ones that had crucified the Messiah. What guts and commitment it must have taken uh, to stand in support with that message Uh, and can I tell you tonight uh, that when a preacher's preaching and it gets a little tight oh yeah when a preacher's preaching and sometimes it's a little bit hard to hear when it gets come on straight down the line uh, that's why you ought to show your support for a preacher uh, at the right time Uh, hey when the preacher really starts preaching down the row it's not time for the church to get locked down uh, and quiet and dignified and starchy uh, and start looking around and wondering who's supporting uh, who's standing who's mad who's not Uh, hey let me tell you something Uh, when the preacher's preaching you ought to make up in your mind I'm not worried if he's preaching to anybody else I'm just going to take it like he's preaching to me hallelujah when the man of God stands and he preaches thank God for a congregation that will stand with him I thank God tonight that in this city there's not just the gospel being preached by one man but there's a congregation there's some men and women that are standing with the message and are standing with the messenger but I want you to hear me tonight going to see produced today what took place on the day of Pentecost. It's going to take more than just the preacher that's preaching. Oh, hallelujah. It's going to take the 11 standing up with him. Hallelujah. Oh, it takes a John. John was beloved of Jesus. He was a man that had an intimate relationship with him. 
when Jesus told his disciples that one of those men would betray him, the disciples, Scripture tells us that the disciple that Jesus loved, he was laying against Jesus' bosom, laid on his chest. This was the man that went deep into the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. And can I tell you tonight that Pentecost needs a John that will stand with the preacher. There cannot be a Pentecost without some folks that are in love with Jesus and walk with him and commune with him and fellowship with him every day. I cannot state this enough. If we want to have a book of Acts revival, it's going to be built upon prayer. I said it's going to be built upon prayer. And I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for revival. I said I'm hungry for revival. I want the Holy Ghost to fall in this place. I want to see miracles and signs and wonders. I want to see it fall on your family, your co-workers, and your friends. I'm hungry for revival. But can I tell you that we will never see take place what we desire to see take place if we do not pray. We need prayer warriors in this church. We need men and women. We need boys and girls. We need young and old. People that will walk in relationship. Folks that will come by the house of the Lord and pray. It's going to take that if we're going to see what we want to see happen. In fact, every one of the 11 continued in prayer in the upper room. Pentecost needs people who are in love with Jesus standing for the message. I heard about a man testifying about the night he got the Holy Ghost, and he, how it happened is he looked over to a man standing next to him who had his hands raised and tears were streaming down his face. And this man observed this, and he was so moved by the joy he saw on his face that something got a hold of him. And that night he received the Holy Ghost talking in tongues. Hey, this man did not remember what the preacher preached. He couldn't tell you what the songs were. He just remembered what he felt when he saw someone in love with Jesus worshiping him. Hey, it was more than a, than a, than a preacher preaching. It was a John standing in the crowd with a pure love for God. And can I tell you, you can't replace that. There's nothing that can replace that. Hey, this church is very blessed. You, you got one that, hey, I'm just going to say this. You got one of the greatest preachers in Pentecost as your pastor. He, he's respected and renowned across the entire Pentecostal movement. You got a conference preacher that you hear each and every week. One of these days I'll get out of here and y'all will quit having to eat these microwavable dinners. And you'll get back to the filet and the ribeyes. Anybody love your pastor's preaching? Hey, it's incredible. And, and what a wonderful job these musicians and singers do. Hey, it's incredible. It's talented. It's anointed. Hey, we don't just sing the same songs. I may get in trouble tonight. Is this all right, Brother Dykes? Hey, you go some places and they sing the same songs over and over again. 
These folks are practicing. They're putting in effort. It's labor. Hey, and it's anointed. They're praying. They're seeking the mind of God. And thank God for the wonderful anointed music that we have. Hey, this this sanctuary is immaculate. The property's kept up. Everything's nice. What a beautiful building that we have dedicated as the house of the Lord. But let me tell you something you can't replicate and something you can't replace, something you can't put on is the love of God. We need men and women in this church that are in love with Jesus, that have a prayer life, that are connected, that know how to pray the glory down, that know how to worship. Come on, that don't just go through the motions and know when to lift up their hands and close their eyes and sing and dance and shout, but somebody whose heart is still pricked and touched and moved by their love for Jesus. We need John's. I can quantify this, what, I, what I'm feeling tonight. Pentecost needs a Luke. Luke was very educated and, and understand what I'm saying. He knew what was going on. He, he recognized the working of the Spirit. Uh, you read the book of Luke. His entire writings were to emphasize how that God moved through men. Uh, he had a revelation of who Jesus was uh, and how that the Holy Ghost uh, was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Uh, and he gives a wonderful historical viewpoint uh, which shows Sister Dykes. He knew what was taking place. Uh, he knew what was going on. Uh, he had a revelation of his role. Uh, and Pentecost needs people uh, that know what's going on. I said Pentecost needs people that know what's going on. We don't need Pentecostal robots, but we need folks that knows what's taking place. We need people to be here and be aware of the importance of what's going on in the moment. People that have a revelation that this is not just another Tuesday night service. This is not just another revival and another preacher is going to come by. But can I tell you that everything that happens in this church, it has eternal and it has far-reaching effects. And can I tell you today, it affects more than just you, but it affects your children and your children's children and your children's children's children if the Lord tarries. God, give us people that recognize and know and understand the importance of what takes place in every service. Can you really place a value on a soul? Can you really place a value on it? I'm going to tell you it's, it's invaluable. Everything we do, I, I want you to understand tonight, uh, everything that we do, it's for the kingdom of God. Everything we do here matters. I said everything we do here matters. This is a part of God's plan uh, for him to move through us uh, to reach people uh, and to help build this church. How about this? Pentecost needs a Matthew, tax collector, a wealthy businessman. I'm going to preach this tonight. Pentecost needs somebody that's gifted in business, somebody that can support the vision. Hey, every great revival in the New Testament, you read about it, there was somebody providing the finite resources to fund the revival. Oh, somebody's got to write the checks. Somebody's got to keep the lights on. 
Somebody's got to help pay the bills. Somebody's got to give in the offering. Somebody's got to give the missions. Hey, we don't know about it, but Brother Dykes, maybe it was Matthew that was helping fund some of the missions of Jesus. Hey, I'm going to tell you, you never know what you're doing when you sow into the kingdom of God. What effects it has. What can, what, what can you do? Come on, to be a part, to be a blessing. You may never know, but can I tell you that when you give and you allow the Holy Ghost to move through you, just like God anoints preachers. You can't tell me the Holy Ghost don't anoint men and women that are gifted. Hey, it takes money to make this thing work. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say it again. It takes money to make this thing work. And it's always the folks that, that don't give that won't know where all the money's going. <laughs> oh, yeah. I heard somebody say, you won't know where the money's at when you drive up in the parking lot, you're driving on it. And when you walk in the building, you're feeling the heat. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you walking on this carpet, you're standing on it. When you're sitting on the pew, you're sitting on it. When you're looking at the lights, you're looking at it. Oh, thank God for a people that will give. Thank God for a people that will sacrifice. Thank God for men that have a revelation. I may not be the one standing behind the pulpit. I may not be the one singing in the choir or singing in the solo, but I can do my part. Hallelujah. God can use me. I want to tell somebody in this house, it's the will of God to raise you up and bless your finances, not so that you can hoard it all up, but so that you can give with an open hand. Hallelujah. I come to tell somebody, God wants to use you. I said God wants to use you. God always attaches finance to purpose. What, what do you mean by that? I mean when there's a need in the body. You may have heard me say this before. You probably won't hear me say it again. When there's a need in the body, God would, God would prefer to work through the church. He'll use an Egyptian if he has to. But he'd rather use an Israelite. And God will bless somebody to meet the need that he knows will help meet the need. But the thing about God is when you live with an open hand and he blesses you enough to meet the need in the body, it's always more than what you need because he's not just a God of enough. Oh, I feel like preaching to somebody tonight. You need a miracle in your finances? Let me challenge you. Give a little bit more. I said, you need a miracle in your finances. Make up your mind. I'm going to increase my commitment. I'm going to increase my giving. And if God, if you'll bless me, I will be blessed to be a blessing. I'll never forget this. When I heard this, it impacted me so much. A friend of mine, a friend of mine, when he was a young young man, a boy actually, uh, he he, he visited a church in Grayson, Louisiana, or Columbia, Louisiana. And uh, he went to church. And that weekend, a lady in the church asked if he wanted to go to Gulf Coast Apostolic Youth Camp. It was that coming week. He was just a visitor boy. And the lady asked him if, if, if she would pay for it, if he would go. And he said, yes. Can I tell you that he got the Holy Ghost in that youth camp? And he's a preacher today. And he's preached in this pulpit. His name's Brother Dallas DeMoss. You never know what you're doing when you put some money in the offering plate. 
Hey, God raised him up as a mighty evangelist. He's pastor in a revival church in Panama City just this past weekend. They baptized four in Jesus' name. Or the weekend before that, can I tell somebody that Pentecost needs a Matthew? Somebody that'll give. Hey, he's not living for God, Brother Dykes, just because of a Peter, just because of a preacher, but because somebody had money to give to the cause of the revival. Never know what your giving can do. Pentecost needs a Philip. Let me tell you about Philip. Philip had a burden for evangelism. He had he was the man that went and found Nathaniel and told him about Jesus. You remember he said, Come and see. Nathaniel asked, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, Why don't you come with me and I'll show you? God give us people in this church that have a burden to witness. Come on, somebody just lift up your hands. Come on, I feel this in the Holy Ghost tonight. Come on, the Lord's dealing with somebody in this place. Hey, come on, if we want to go to that next step, that next level of revival, somebody, somebody's got to be a Philip. Come on, somebody lift up your voice and pray right now. God, give us people that will have a burden to witness. But let me tell you, it's not just any kind of witnessing we need. We need somebody that will be led by the Spirit in evangelism. Hear me tonight. He joined himself to the eunuch's chariot because the Spirit led him to do it. And he began to explain the Bible to him because this eunuch was stuck and confused. And Philip was the man that helped him receive a revelation of who Jesus was. And he ended up getting baptized in Jesus' name. We need Phillips in this church. Somebody that will follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. Somebody that will join themselves to a chariot and teach a Bible study. Somebody that will go. Somebody that will witness. Somebody that will go into the world, the highways and the byways, and compel them to come in that this house might be full. Can I tell you, you can be an evangelist without a pulpit. You don't have to preach to a great crowd to be one of the great disciples. But God can use you. God can use you. Statistics say that 73%, listen to this, 73% of all new converts in church growth comes from a friend bringing somebody to church and winning them. You know what that means? That the majority of the time, the preaching is not nearly the only thing that wins people. Hey, I believe in preaching. Y'all know how I feel about that. You cannot be saved without it. But neither can you be saved without someone to help you when you get stuck and confused. And there's got to be somebody to preach. But there's also got to be somebody to tell everybody that they need to come hear the preaching. Is there anybody that would just lift up your hands right now? Come on, would you lift up your hands right now? It's a new year. It's, it, let's make some commitments. Is there anybody starting this week? And we're not just going to do this for a few days and just let that burden lift. But I challenge somebody this year to purpose in your heart. I'm going to be a Philip, God, give me a burden for the lost. Give me a burden for souls. Help me to reach somebody. Help me to win somebody. Come on, what would it look like in this church if everybody here brought somebody to church with them? Hey, what do you what do you think would happen Friday night if everybody brought somebody to the house of God? Let me tell you what had happened. They'd get the Holy Ghost. Somebody get delivered. Somebody get a miracle. Uh, hey, man, I come to tell you, church, uh, if you're waiting on revival, you missed it. It's already here. 
This is, I feel, I feel it strong. This is our time. This is our moment. And help us, God, to recognize the time of our visitation, Jesus. He looked over Jerusalem and he wept because they did not recognize the time of their visitation. And I come to tell you, First Church, come on, don't let that be the case. Somebody make up your mind. I'm going to put my shoulder to the plow. I'm going to stand with the preacher. I'm going to be a Philip. Pentecost needs a Matthias. He was the man that took the place of Judas. Hey, I know some of y'all don't realize this, but sometimes folks will drop the ball. Sometimes folks will betray the church and they'll walk away. But thank God for men like Matthias that'll pick up the slack. <laughs> Pentecost needs people that'll say, you may walk away, but I'm staying. Hey, when, when the going gets tough, God needs saints uh, that'll just put it in four-wheel drive uh, and say, I'm staying with my preacher. Uh, I'm staying with my church. Uh, you can backslide. You can walk away. Uh, but I'm staying. Uh, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be loyal. Uh, I'm going to do my part. Uh, hey, Pentecost needs people. This church needs men and women uh, that'll say, if you won't praise him, uh, I will. Uh, if you won't worship, uh, I will. Uh, if you won't pray, I will. If you won't witness, I will. Hey, I come to tell you that when Judas walked away, Joseph and Matthias were in line to take Judas' place. God has two men. For every man that won't stand with the gospel. Hey, there's oh, hey, I'm not just preaching a message tonight, but this is a word from the Lord for us. Hey, I hope you're a part of it. I hope you'll stand. But there will be, there will be a Pentecost in Tulsa, despite the fact whether you will or not. Because if you won't, somebody will. I said, if you won't, there's men in this church, there's women in this church that'll say, I will. Oh, and, and, and let me tell you what else Pentecost needs. Pentecost needs James the Less, the son of Alphys. You know the only thing we know about James the Less? The only thing we know for certain about him is his name. And watch this. He was there in the upper room. Of all the things that it could have been said about him, said of him, there's one thing that God made sure was written about James the Less, and it's that he was there in the upper room. Can, can I give you a revelation tonight? Amen. It's very simple. But Pentecost needs people who will just be there. They may never write a book, they may never be bragged on and talked about. They may never get behind this pulpit. They may never stand and they may never sing. Amen. But they're faithful. And what is said about them, Brother Dykes, is they was there and they was standing with the preacher. Can I tell you, that's the kind of saints that you can build a church on. The most important thing that could ever be said about you was not your gifting and your talent and your anointing. He didn't say, well done, thou good and talented servant. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We need people like James the Lesh that'll make up their mind. I may not have all the talent in the world. I may not be known and recognized. My name may not be in the lights and on the banner, but God, if I could just be there, if I could just be a part, if I could just stand with my man of God, that's the most important, beautiful thing 
the wonderful prayer warriors in this church. I salute the wonderful pillars in this church. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You matter. Don't let the devil tell you you don't matter. Don't let the adversary tell you it don't matter whether you come or not. Your very presence being here, that in of itself, come on, it helps. Come on, fund. It helps flow the revival that God wants to send. What a blessing saints of God are. That what's said about them is that they was just there standing with the man of God. Heard about a pastor that had a man in his church that was utterly faithful. This was a man that you could depend on. You could set your clock by him. You could depend on him to be there every time the doors were open. And the pastor would call him the church cowbell. <laughs> That's what he called him. Anybody know the purpose of a cowbell? They tie the cowbell around the cow's neck, and it makes a noise every time they move. You see, farmers and ranchers, they have a, they have a lot of acreage a lot of times, and when they want to find that cow, they'll just go out and they'll listen for the sound of that bell. I'll tell you what a cowbell does. It just tells you where you are by you just being there. And this man was called the church cowbell because he let everybody know that church was going on. Because if there was church, he was going to be there. Hallelujah. Pentecost needs folks that will just be there ringing the bell on Sunday morning, on Sunday night. If he calls Monday night. Oh, hallelujah. If he calls Friday night, Tuesday night, whatever it is, they're going to be there and they're going to be faithful. Thank God for people that will just be there. Come on, would you lift up your hands right now? Let's wait on the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, church, it takes more than Simon Peter. Uh, I come to tell you, we need your help. I said, we need your help. Uh, come on, I submit to you, we can't do it without you. Uh, come on, somebody make up your mind. God, I'm going to be a part of it. Uh, God, I'm going to stand with my pastor. Uh, I'm going to stand with the preacher. Uh, I'm going to stand with the man of God. There's the Thomases. Somebody who doubted long after the others believed. One who was late on being convinced. Somebody that has experienced the grace and the mercy of Jesus. Is there anybody here that would just wave your hand and testify that it, I, I didn't always look like this? I didn't always behave like this. I wasn't always dressed like this. Oh, but there's people in this church. Hey, if, if, I, if I opened up this pulpit and give you a mic, come on, there'd be people all over this church that would blow your mind with the testimonies, the things that God delivered them from, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, immorality, all kinds of things. Can I tell you that Pentecost needs those people too? They need people, somebody with a testimony of how Jesus did more than necessary to reach for the Hey, there's nothing. Listen to what I'm saying right now. Nothing makes the gospel more powerful than men and women standing with the preacher who had doubts. But Jesus finally revealed Himself to them. And I can't help, I can't help but, but say this. Something that's so powerful about Jesus' encounter with Thomas. He wasn't with the disciples. He was doubting. That's why they called him Doubting Thomas. And uh, he, he made this statement. They said. Jesus is alive. He's here. He's living. He said, I will not believe except I put my hand in the nail print. And I put my hand in the spot where they pierced his side with the spear. And can I tell you exactly what Jesus did? 
Bible says it like this, then came Jesus. Hey, let me tell you, somebody can have a then came Jesus moment tonight. Hey, Thomas was standing and he was behind the wall, but Jesus come walking through the wall. And he said, here you go, Thomas. Why don't you put my put your hand in my hand? Hey, feel right here. Let me tell you how much Jesus loves you. Whatever you ask of him, he'll do it. I said, whatever you ask of him, he'll do it. Uh, if you're here tonight, uh, I come to tell you Jesus loves you. Uh, you may have not done it all right. Uh, you may have not done it perfect. Uh, but can I tell you, he loves you enough uh, to do whatever you ask of him. Uh, that's how merciful he is. Uh, that's how much he loves you. Uh, that's what he's willing to do to save you. And, and I would be remiss, musicians come. I, I, I would be remiss tonight. If I didn't say this, Brother Dykes, I should have I should have titled it, Will the Twelve Please Stand Up? Because let me tell you, Pentecost needs a preacher. I said Pentecost needs a preacher. Pentecost needs a Simon Peter, a man that will stand up in the face of rebellion. Somebody that will stand up in the place of hate and wickedness and bitterness and say, you have to repent. Somebody that will say, you crucified the Messiah. He was the one that come and you rejected him. And if you want to be saved, you got to repent of your sins. Be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank God for a preacher with a fire in his belly uh, and a backbone a man of conviction that's the kind of preacher this church has I said that's the kind of man of God this church has and I come to tell you there is no telling the revival that could break out hey hey, we've got got the man of God we've got the preacher but I, I come to ask somebody is there anybody that's willing to stand up oh Come on, I, I believe there's something, there's something significant about what's happening right now. Hey, if you feel, if you don't feel that way, don't come. But if you're here tonight, come on, there's gonna be a line right here. I want you to just come and I want you to stand. right now that would just lift up your hands and make a commitment